Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights. We're going to talk about the trade nights as compared to the hospitality rooms of my youth back in the 70s, especially when I went to shows so much. Every big show had a hospitality room. Not the same as a trade night. Thanks, sponsors. Tops Panini, Upper Deck, Heritage Auctions, Huggins and Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, ComC.com, and Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. Did hospitality rooms stop? When trade nights started, trade nights just have been the last five years. Hospitality rooms have been pretty much done for 25 for a years. Decades. Yeah. yeah. But similar to the trade nights, there wasn't really any money changing hands. Did the promoter buy a bunch of pizza and people bring some beer and soda and put it in a room that was at the hotel where the show was and people could just do it? I don't remember any basket to throw in five or ten bucks. So it wasn't a revenue maker, but it wasn't a big loser either. It was great fun. All the hobby veterans would be there. Unlike trade night, you didn't bring any cards with you. Occasionally people would, but it was more talking about cards that you had or who had what. I missed a lot of that generation of the hospitality rooms. In New Jersey, we really didn't have them, and I didn't travel as much to the Midwest. Where The Midwest is where it was huge, yeah. And you would go to three in the morning. Yeah. Now you're going to three in the morning and some of the trade nights, there's no cash. And some of the trade nights, there's a lot of cash switching hands. The person who set up across from me at the last Dallas card show, they've been doing trade night in the Starlight Room, where I used to sit at the Dallas card show. He did $1,000 in the second and the third show of the year. I asked him how he did it the last show. Oh, I did 2500 on trade night. So he's very happy with trade night. <laughs> Even though he'll, he'll be dragging all day Sunday. If you're a parent or if you have a younger friend and you're concerned about him, you tell him nothing good happens after midnight. <laughs> because I think people lose their inhibitions and they just relax and they get tired and all that stuff. But the hospitality rooms as well as the trade nights after midnight, I think things do loosen up. Now, whether people are making ill-advised trades, I do know that in the hospitality rooms, people after a few drinks, were more free with talking about what was going on, not just in the hobby, but it wasn't gossipy, it was about the cards. They wouldn't admit sometimes what they had, but after they've had a couple of drinks, they would start talking honestly about their collection, which was just unbelievable, because they would go around the room and say who had the Wagners, who had the Planks, who had the Lajueys, not who had the Mickey Mantle 52 Tops, because that was too common. <laughs> three, four, five years ago. And I had a corporate badge, so I technically wasn't allowed in there, but because I'm a dealer at heart more than a corporate, at the national, I'm going to call it the national dealer breakfast, where after you pick your table, you just yeah. sit and you hang out. There's like a little hospitality room. They have donuts and sweets and coffee and OJ. And I remember one year I sat there with John Ramirez and B.A. Murray and Lou Brown, who's been around since the 80s himself, is sitting at the table and he sends me an email like two days after the show. Rich, thanks so much. I had so much fun listening to the three of you talking about the 80s. And then B.A. and John talking about the 70s. You don't know how much fun I had learning all that stuff. That's how I got to know B.A. and, yeah. and John Ramirez. Those guys... When you're at the show, you're at the show. And even though the dealers there roamed around a lot more because it was a lot more casual. But you weren't going to disturb people big time when they're behind their booth trying to sell cards. You might talk to them a little bit and you might buy some stuff from them. But after seven or whatever, instead of going out for dinner, a lot of times there was like a pizza buffet up there. And a lot of the people went up there 
And a lot of them were staying in the hotel anyway. A lot of the getting to know guys was at that time. I'm wondering if the trade night is like that too, or it's more businessy. I think it's a mix. I think it's more businessy, especially at the Dallas Card Show. It's a lot wider. It's not just in the Starlight Room. It's in the lobby. It's in the bar. So it's really massive. At the Dallas Card Show, when I come out of your hobby content creator dinners, I'll walk into trade night. It's 9 o'clock to see what's going on. It's pretty active. Okay. The hospitality rooms were not spacious. They were a thousand square feet tops. Yeah. So that's smaller than where we've had our room for our hobby dinners. But that meant intimacy. If a veteran collector was there and wanted a whole court, people would listen in. Your content creator are also a little more formal. Everybody sit at a table. Right. This was people walking around and doing stuff. But if somebody prominent had something to say, people were listening in. Because we all love the hobby. And it was also strategic in the sense that if you knew what somebody had and you knew what they wanted, not just what they had on the table, it was an opportunity for you to find something they wanted in order to get something you wanted. And I think something's missing from the hobby when the hospitality room went away. Sitting at the bar is nice. Not everybody's a drinker. Or not everybody smokes. There was something nice about hospitality room. Some of it is legendary. You get to know the people, as you said, in a more relaxed situation. I just realized, Rich, they were smoking. Yeah. They were smoking in these hotels. Well, what these... were they smoking? Cigarettes. <laughs> okay. This is before all that. Okay. Before all that. Uh, pretty much, yeah. yeah. I'm sure somebody was smoking uh, the good stuff. Uh, I don't think so. Okay. I was one of the younger guys. There were some families. And there were some husband wives, but it was mainly guys. B.A. and John are about your age, too. So there's a natural gravitation I think so. Towards people with common interests of the same age. And I think that's missing. You do the national nowadays, and this is not a complaint, but frankly, it's too big. For people to get together, you might have small groups getting together. There's something lost. It's not bad. It's just lost. Because we're all in this big fraternity. Yeah. But when it gets too big, then you just have to have your subgroup or something like that. But the subgroup, again, a little bit simpler. Anybody that went to the hospitality room pretty much was a vintage card collector and probably mainly baseball. And that's what was talked about. The new cards, it was dismissive. We all have the new Even cards. non-baseball was, maybe if you had some really exotic, non-sport, older, really interesting stuff, very old football, but basketball, that for sure wasn't a thing. Hockey, maybe in Detroit or, or Toronto or something like that, but in Illinois and Indiana and Ohio and Pennsylvania, they were baseball card collectors. At the last Dallas Card Show, Ryan Nolan, who has a goal of going to a show, at least in all the continental 48 states, 48 and 48, I think he... Actually, he does take four weeks off, I think. Yes. He's not trying to go 52 weeks. Yeah, he's taking some time off. And that's fine. He knows he can't go every single weekend. But he'd have fit in these hospitalities. Oh, he'd fit in great. Because he loves to learn and he has an eye for vintage cards. On Sunday morning, before the show opened... We spent a while talking. We went behind a table, and we knew what table it was. And fortunately, the person he was next to knew me, so it was like, okay, I know who you are, Rich. That's fine. That's another way, before the show opened, of just chatting and talking. Okay, so it's 50 years ago, let's say, hypothetically. I'm at the hospitality room there in the early, mid-70s. And Buddy walks in, thinking it's like a trade night, and saying, hey, I've got a case of this year's cards. What will you trade me for of some of your older cards? He would have been kicked out in the bum's rush because they would have said, what are you talking about? Now, I've got this brand new mint, unopened case of 72 tops. 
Now, looking back, that would have been a good deal. But, Especially his last series yes. or next to last season. But they would have been kicked out and ridiculed that anything new could be as good as anything old. On yeah. the other hand, by the mid-70s, Charles Conlon, rest his soul, did really well accumulating all those cases of 75 tops minis. And he got the remainders and he used them to judiciously convert them to Glendale meets and Gowdy Heads Ups and other things that were really interesting. He had a great eye for older stuff. That was his trading currency. He was a stickler. There were no simple deals with Charles. And when our friends, Gary Sawatsky and Jim Justice, had the Nestle sheets, they bought whatever was left and they had them professionally cut and they looked good. They used those for trading currency. Yes. I love trading with them. They got stuff from me that they knew they could sell. This predates that. They were retailers, but they were really not. They They were collectors And they were collectors and they were resourceful. So I bought them out more than once. I remember that. And when I did, it was before the Nestle sheets because this was in the 70s. They were serious about it. So after I did it the first time, I said, look, we want you to buy this stuff. Come by Sunday afternoon. We don't want to take it home and we'll give you a good price for the rest of the stuff. So I'm sitting there. There was some really good stuff there. And I thought, I'm not going to run roadblock in front of their table because that we'll just see what happens. And they gave me a price. I don't know if I wrote them a check. I certainly didn't do a credit card. Did I have that much cash? It was thousands of dollars, but it wasn't tens of thousands of dollars. I was a young single professor, but that was fun. They were in albums. Now I'm thinking, why, dudes, did you have it in albums? Because nothing can be gem mint once it goes in plastic, I think. I liked Gary's first partner, who was between training you. I actually ran into them at a Yankee game. They they traveled a lot. Yeah. They came to a show, and I was going to a Yankee game, and I saw them at a Yankee game. It was in, like, 1983. It was really cool to see. Were they furniture movers or piano movers or something? I don't know. Gary could do a piano by himself. Yeah, Gary is a big guy. Whatever, they did very well for a while, and then they worked there. I don't know if they had health problems. They all had health problems. And even when I went to work for you, we'd buy a lot of stuff from them. They'd have stuff for us at every national. Were they the Wizards of Odd? They were the Wizards of Odd. We got like La Majeure because Jim was French. So he'd bring us back these French basketball. I still have some of those. Yeah, they're good items. Please do not contact me for that, you (laughs) crazy basketball collectors. But I still have a few of those. No, but the ones we checklisted were the ones yeah, we got from yeah. them. Again, if they're in the hospitality room, they're letting their hair down. Actually, Gary had a ponytail. Gary had his hair down, but he keeps his ponytail on. It was just a more casual thing. But it, was there some bragging going on? Probably there was some, but it was more just, it was the inner circle, I think. Not only and that, I think fun. it was a little less serious. Trade night nowadays have become too serious. With a briefcase. I wanted with the Pelican case. I want to give one shout out though. Yeah. Who always wanted to have a trade night? And he's no longer with us. But one of his ideas at the national was Mike Burkus. Oh, yeah. Mike Burkus wanted a twenty-four hour show. He could hold court. Oh, Mike would have been great. But Mike, I think that would have been a place for him to trade some of his cards too. He couldn't trade cards while he's trying to run the national. You give him a trade night, he yeah. might be able to bring some of his cards out to trade because he downplayed it. But Mike was a collector for his entire life. And he loved trading. And he loved trading. He would have loved trade night today. Do you know I never traded with him? Neither did I. Because I was his friend. Yeah. <laughs> but he traded a lot with one of my close collecting buddies. And it was a real joy because he didn't hassle, didn't sweat the small stuff, and was a great trading partner. But for me, it's hard to be a trading partner and a friend. And we were just buddies. That's why you don't like buying cards for me. I'm not going to buy cards for you either, Rich. That's a compliment. <laughs> But Mike always wanted to have a 24-hour national, so to speak. And there were tons of trade nights at the national all over the place. 
it's exciting. And sometimes when you're tired, you just want to get to your room. But it's exciting to see all this energy around the show, not just during the show hours, but after the show hours. That points out why when I have my dinners, I don't like to break into three tables. I like to have one table, one conversation. And that's why the hospitality rooms fit me really well. You weren't going to miss out that somebody was going to talk about something that you didn't hear, that you could hear what was going on. Whereas the trade nights now, if you're at the opposite end of the building, you're missing out on the trade, you're missing out on the conference. You still have fun of sorts, but you you could say, did you hear about this? Well, you weren't there. You that's, were 50 feet away. That's why a popular thing, I'm going to use the term mixers, is dinner for eight. They've determined that eight people... Is eight like, is the max you can have in have have one conversation. Right? Yes, Otherwise, it's table talk of making side comments. And you're talking to the people next to you. And if you're right. with somebody you like, that's great. Or you're talking to them. But if you I'm don't... With, I'm with Diane. So you have Diane. You're good. <laughs> but I hear what you're saying. And if it's more than eight, they've really got to be focused. And they've got to want to hold that same conversation. Hospitality rooms were more than eight. 12, 20, 30 max, I think. But again, everybody's there. They weren't coming to make... I won't say not small talk, but they were there... Because they really cared about the hobby, and they were eating it, sleeping it, drinking it, immersive. They were also there because it was a way to relax with your friends and not feel you have to be business. All of you shared that same experience. The dress code was non-existent. You had to wear clothes, but they were just wearing whatever they were wearing. They weren't dressed for business. Well, Nowadays, a lot of the, uh, these people come in there. But the late Gloria, one of her rules... She wouldn't have tolerated that. One of her rules was... Try to dress business casual behind exactly. you. She exactly. says, you don't have to be dressed up. I don't need you in a jacket and tie. But try to at least look professional. Right. And I appreciated that. She that, wanted to, That didn't make it to the Midwest. Most of the time in the middle of summer, it shouldn't have made it to New York either. Yeah. But I appreciated what she wanted to do. She was right. Thanks, Rich. Thanks, everybody. Enjoy the trade nights. Enjoy uh, the memory of a hospitality room. And hopefully the National will continue to provide ways for people to not just make transactions, but make friends and enjoy each other. Be back tomorrow with another episode.